Hi, I'm Daniel. Welcome to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. My favorite thing about See Me Church is, in spite of COVID, we are still getting together. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So whoever you are, or whatever your story, you belong here. Today is our yearly missions offering. Go to seeme.church, then give, then missions, to donate. Everything you give will go to support our missionaries in Eurasia, the Baltic Nordic States, and the Pacific Southwest. After I pray, we'll have a short video updating you on some of the great things going on over there. Thank you, Lord, for um, allowing us to be together this Sunday. Please help the missions in Eurasia, the Baltic Nordic States, and the Pacific Southwest. Thank you for everything you've blessed us with, for the freedom to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Greetings from your brothers and sisters in the Nordic part of the world. I'm Chris Reed and this is my wife Kim. Together we have the privilege of serving as evangelist and women's ministry leader for the church in Stockholm, Sweden, as well as oversee the family of churches in the Nordics, which would include going from north down to south, Helsinki, Finland, uh, Stockholm, Sweden, Uppsala, Sweden, and Södertälje, Sweden, three cities now in our country, uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, Oslo, Norway, and we have a couple of sisters out in Reykjavik, Iceland. We just wanted to say that it's been very special for Chris and I to travel to some of your churches and to meet you face to face. It really makes our partnership with you special and when we think of you and we're just so appreciative of your support and your friendship and your love for the Nordic region. So we thought we'd encourage you with some good news from the different churches all around the Nordics. We're going to be beginning with the church in Copenhagen, and then moving to Oslo, uh, Norway. Then Stockholm has a few things to say, and we'll be finish, finishing off with Helsinki, Finland. Hope you enjoy the film and it encourages your faith. Thanks.
Jesus, han er Guds søn. Tror du også, at han kom til jorden og levede og blev korsfæstet for dine sønner? Ja. Tror du også, at Gud lod ham opstå på den tredje dag? Ja. Så hvem er herre i dit liv herefter? Ja. Amen. Amen. I'm Fred. I'm a part of the core leader group in Oslo, and I would like to share some good news from the Oslo Church. 2019 was a year of transition for us, as our longtime leaders and staff, Ronnie and Katarina Idrus, decided to step down in the end of 2018. We are extremely grateful for all their service and hard work through the years, and are very happy that they continue to contribute in the church with all their talents and wisdom. The house church leaders spent the first few months of the year trying to figure out how to move on and decided to establish a core leader group as the leadership of the church. Many disciples were nominated and willing to lead, and by the summer, seven of them were chosen for the group. Maybe the most encouraging thing that has happened during this transition has been to see how many disciples have been willing to take on more responsibility to keep the church moving and growing. Last fall we revised our model for service groups and established several new groups designed to meet different needs in our communities and in our church. A number of people have committed to lead these groups that were not house church leaders and we're now beginning to see the fruits of their good work. also very proud of our teens. We have six baptized teens and the teen ministry counts almost 25. They are a wonderful group so please pray for them as well as for the church. We would like to thank you for your support, your love and your prayers through many years. The Oslo Church is forever thankful. Last but not least we saw four baptisms in 2019. Two children of disciples, one dad and one neighbor and friend. Enjoy the pictures. Hope you enjoyed the good news from Copenhagen and Oslo. Now we're going to show you some good news from our church here in Stockholm. Uh, the church has grown slow but steady for the past 10 years, and God has blessed us now so that we're the largest the church has ever been since it's been planted in 1986 at about 180 disciples. We're really excited about that. We're also excited that uh, beginning of next year, Lord willing, Shane and Victoria, our interns, will be planting the next biggest city in Sweden, Gothenburg. 700,000 people live there. They'll be sharing a bit at the end of the good news. You're going to be seeing pictures of 
your brand new brothers and sisters, those who've been baptized uh, since the last time we gave you a mission report. You're going to see that love is in the air, a young couple getting married in our church, uh, one of several. Uh, that's starting to happen, which is also very exciting, including also with Shane and Victoria giving the good report about Gothenburg. We also wanted to let you know about something very exciting. We sent out a planting without full-time people to one of the cities just south of Stockholm. And this couple, two couples came to us with the desire to go there on their heart. And they took a group of 14 disciples. And in just over a year, they are now just over 30 members. So they've been baptizing all kinds of people. And one of the things that they say is that every single person is needed uh, to to fulfill different roles. And so every single person feels uh, a purpose, they're all engaged, and they're just being so fruitful. And it's just so encouraging. And there's no full-time workers. They're doing it all um, with God. Here comes the good news from Stockholm. Hope you enjoy it, and it builds up your faith. I'm Shane McDowell, this is my wife Victoria, and we serve the church full-time here in Stockholm, Sweden. And I'm Finn Forsberg, I'm about to graduate high school, and I'm plan planning on going to a local college in Gothenburg to help with the planting. And we first of all just wanted to say thank you very much for your support over the years, for your prayers, uh, and even your financial support uh, has really helped to change people's lives and really strengthen the churches over here. And we're hoping that those lives will continue to be changed, God willing, in January 2021, when Shane and I moved to Gothenburg to replant the church. Uh, it is the second largest city in Sweden. And so far, these are three of our team members. We are more than just three, but there's space on the team if you would like to come. And otherwise, we would love to ask for your prayers and support in this new adventure. So thank you so, so much. And we would love to be able to see some of you. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, we just want to thank you for all of your love and support. 
you enjoyed that great news from the Nordics. We are so appreciative for your support uh, spiritually, through your prayers, financially, through your giving. Uh, it really matters to us. You know, we're not isolated, and we have brothers and sisters really praying for us and thinking about us. So keep praying for us till next time. Maybe we'll see you in Orlando, or we'll see you if we come visiting, or we'll see you in another good news video. Thanks. Collins, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We've been in a series called One-on-One -on -One with Jesus. The idea is to look at the individual interactions Jesus had with different people in Scripture and see what we can apply to our lives today. Last month, we modified the series so that we could hear from specific members of Simi Church and their own personal one-on-ones with Jesus. I want to thank everyone that volunteered to speak, especially Daniel and Brian, who did such a great job last week. Today I'm going to return to the series and we're going to take a look at a one-on-one -on -one that took place between Jesus and a leper. As always, the goal is to draw out something relevant to our faith and to our life today. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5 and I'm going to pray before we read. Father, I want to thank you for bringing us together this morning. Even though we're not in person, we are together in spirit and we know that you are with us as well. And I pray, God, that you speak to me and to all of us now and through me to all of us now that you're uh, that we may see great things in your scriptures and be edified and strengthened and built up in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So according to Luke, this one-on-one -on -one takes place early in Jesus' ministry, shortly after he called his first disciples. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus' life, you know that after being baptized by John the Baptist, he was immediately taken into the wilderness for 40 days where he fasted and was tempted by Satan. Afterwards, he made his way into Galilee to the city of Capernaum, where he met up with several of John's followers and called them to become his followers. In short order, they left Capernaum, and for the next few years, they zigzagged all over Palestine, preaching a message of repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now, as we've seen in previous one-on-ones, this message was quite controversial, as baptism for forgiveness was a new teaching. So in order for people to accept it, to help people accept this new teaching, Jesus would often perform miracles to confirm his message. And in Luke 5, verses 12 through 14, we read of one of those miracles, the healing of a leper. Now, before I go any further, I think it is important to establish a couple things regarding leprosy in Palestine at the time. Number one, it was the worst possible disease anyone especially a faithful Jew, could find themselves afflicted with in the ancient Near East at the time. And secondly, but not for the reasons that you might think. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 11. We're going to read verse 45. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. 
You know, centuries before Jesus ever set foot in Palestine, God had spoken to his people and laid out an expectation for them to be holy as he is holy. In other words, they should be distinctive. The word holy means set apart in the same way that he is distinctive. And to drive this point home, in Leviticus chapters 11 through 16, we come across a pretty extensive list of things that God considered distinctive or, or what were to be set apart or what Moses called clean and the things that God considered indistinctive or unclean. This list included, among other things, certain animals, bodily fluids, and skin afflictions, or what Scripture generally calls leprosy. Now, it wasn't that these things in and of themselves were inherently evil or sinful, these, these un things that were called unclean. Rather, they were, they were really supposed to be metaphors for what evil or sinful things might look like. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 11, verses 1-8. through 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has divided hoof and choose the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof. You must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It, it is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. So here in this, in this uh, text, we read uh, that God set apart animals that had both a divided hoof and chewed the cud as legitimate or clean food sources for the Israelites. While animals like the camel, the hyrax, and the pig were called unclean and were therefore not set apart or legitimate food sources, for the people, and that was because they did not have both a divided hoof and chew the cud. So the meaning of the metaphor is pretty straightforward. God is not a God of confusion, but of order. And animals like the camel, the hyrax, the rabbit, and pig, they were kind of confusing because they, they crossed these categories. And so they became metaphors for things that were unclean, not set apart, indistinctive. You know, you've heard the phrase, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Well, that's the idea here. God wants his people to walk and talk like he does. Let me ask you a question. Are you living clean, a clean life? Holy, set apart, distinctive from the world around you? Leviticus chapter 12, we're going to look at another example. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her, during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter <clears throat> for two weeks, the woman will be unclean as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. Now here we're gonna read about unclean bodily fluids, specifically the fluids involved with giving birth. Now again, it's not that women are giving birth are inherently evil or sinful and therefore unclean. Rather, it's that God uses the pain and the mess that's associated with childbearing as a metaphor for the pain and mess associated with sin or not being holy as God is holy. 
In this case, as with the other bodily emissions mentioned in chapter 15, the metaphor is quite literal. Sin, even so-called secret sins, are always painful and messy affairs that require a significant amount of cleanup, even for those not directly involved, even for those not directly involved, to make things right again. You know, many of you know I've been working towards becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist. And a few months ago, I started working in a residential detox facility. And I can tell you that there's not a person in there who hasn't made a mess of their lives and isn't dealing with a significant amount of trauma as a result of their sin. And in many cases, their parents' sin. Here's the point. Sin, no matter how insignificant it may seem, is always a painful and messy affair and requires a significant amount of cleanup and should be avoided by those who are set apart. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time you sinned? Can you think about it for a minute? Just think back. What was the last thing you remember committing? Now I'm going to ask you, have you been open about it? Have you repented from it? You know, you're going to need to if you want to be holy as God is holy. Let's look at another example of something unclean from Leviticus chapter 13. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a deviling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white, the sore appears to be more, and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. So here we come to the issue of what's called leprosy in the Bible, really a catch-all phrase for all kinds of skin diseases. And this is relevant to our one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. As I said at the beginning, of all the things that God identified as unclean, skin afflictions were the most feared by the ancients. But as I said earlier, not for the reasons you might think. I want you to take a closer look at verse 3. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonial, ceremonial unclean. So what does it mean to be ceremonial unclean? You know, from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, it meant to be cut off from the faith and from the faithful. Look what Leviticus chapter 13 says. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone and they must live outside the camp. So in this, this passage tells us that a person afflicted with an active skin disease was to wear torn clothes. They couldn't comb the hair. They had to hide their face. They're, they had to announce their presence everywhere they went. They had to live alone and outside the protection of city walls. They were in effect castaways on a deserted island with little hope of rescue. Yet as bad as it was to live in a constant state of physical and emotional separation to the ancients, it was worse to live in a constant state of spiritual separation. I mean, they could not worship. They could not offer sacrifices or even enter the temple. No matter how much they may have wanted to, they could not fully and completely live out the command to be holy as I am holy. As a result, they were spiritually separated from the faith, the faithful, and they were vulnerable to demonic attack. To them, this was a fate worse than the disease itself. 
because the ancients cared more about the spirit than they did the body. I want you to imagine being cut off from your faith community, unable to participate in the corporate worship of God. There's no praying, there's no singing, there's no communion with God, there's no fellowshipping with each other. Oh yeah, we have been for several months now. Would you consider that a fate worth worse than physical sickness? You know, the ancients did, and so did the leper in Luke chapter 5. Let's go back to that story. Verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So here we are full circle. And we now know why in verse 12, when the leper heard that Jesus had come to town, he broke all protocol, entered the city without announcing his presence, and fell face down in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Because as I said before, as bad as the disease of leprosy was, it was worse to be unclean. Now in verse 13, it says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, and immediately he was healed. As amazing as this healing was, as incredible and awesome, inspiring and important as this healing was to this man, I find the fact that Jesus touched him just as amazing and just as important. Because Jesus didn't have to to heal him. I mean, he could have just said the word and the man would be healed. As a matter of fact, by doing so, Jesus himself became unclean. Now there's a metaphor for you. Jesus becomes unclean to make the unclean clean again. Now, with the exception of leprosy, becoming unclean was not necessarily that big of a deal as it was practically, practically unavoidable. People came into contact with animals, with bodily fluids, with the sick, and other unclean things all the time. And Leviticus, as well as other passages in the Bible, spell out the requirements to become clean again, which among other things, may have included various washings and waiting periods ranging and, and offerings and waiting periods ranging from a few hours to several days. But what's significant about Jesus touching this man is that he did it intentionally. And you know, it wasn't the first time he did something like this and it wasn't going to be the last. And every time Jesus himself became unclean and in obedience to the law, he would have had to go through all the inconvenience of becoming clean again. So I ask you this question, why did Jesus do it at all? I mean, why did he take the trouble to touch the man and then have to go through all the trouble of becoming clean again? Well, I think there's a hint in verse 14. After telling the man to go and show himself to the priest and fulfill the necessary requirements of becoming clean again, Jesus added the statement as a testimony to them. You see, every time G, every, you see, every time Jesus touched someone to make them clean, that person would have to go to the priest as the law required and tell them what Jesus had done for them. Here's my point. Everyone who's been baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of sin has been made clean by Jesus. You have been set apart by God and called to be holy as he, as he is holy. 
And just like the leper who was made clean and was told to go, himself, go and show himself to the priest as a testimony, you too have been told to go and show yourself to the people God has supernaturally and strategically placed in your life and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about your uncleanliness. Tell them how it felt to be isolated and vulnerable. Tell them about your one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and what he did for you. You know, I was in my early 20s when I realized that I was at a crossroads in my life. Even though I claimed to be a Christian, you couldn't tell it by my choices. It seemed to me that living a godly lifestyle was impossible. Yet if you were to track my time and money, it would be clear that I was self-seeking and mostly interested in personal gratification. I found myself repeating the same things day after day, carousing, lusting, and all the while feeling unfulfilled and having trouble sleeping at night. One night I had a conversation with myself. I asked myself if I should continue claiming to be a Christian and living a double life, or should I just abandon the faith altogether? Within two weeks of that conversation, a friend invited me to church. It was, it was a different kind of a church. It was young, it was diverse, it was energetic, and to be honest, I was a little freaked out. But after many years of failing to live up to my own standards, let alone God's, I was ready to make a change. I asked to study the Bible, and with the help of several of the men who by the power of God had overcome the same tendencies for selfishness and personal, personal gratification that I had been struggling with, I was for, was for the first time hopeful that I could be different. I began to repent, I began to seek God in earnest, and I was ultimately baptized February 27, 1991. And the changes I experienced were immediate and lasting. Three years after I was baptized, I happened to be visiting a doctor for a, for a physical exam. And while I was filling out the pre-exam forms, it hit me that I kept circling no and answering with the phrase three years ago after questions like, are you sexually active? And when was the last time you were sexually active? Or do you smoke? And when did you quit? And that's when it hit me. I was different. I was really living the Christian lifestyle. Eventually, the nurse who looked at my information looked up at me and she asked, what happened to you three years ago? And I happily answered, I became a Christian. I never want to forget how good that felt to say those words. After many years of faulty Christianity, with, which almost caused me to give up completely, God never gave up on me. So today, I want to do what I, I, so today I don't ever want to give up on him. This is my testimony. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope that you have heard something that inspires you to be holy as God is holy.